on into there. Um, there's one thing you need to know about my mama. My mama has never, ever argued with anybody. My mama just doesn't argue. She doesn't never argue with me. She never argued with my daddy. She never argued with my brother. She never argued with, uh, with anybody. She would just speak what it was that she had to say. And if she said, or if you said something back or you said something that she didn't like, she would just look you out in the eye and just say, I'm quiet. And if you ever heard your mother say, if you ever heard my mother say, I'm quiet, you knew that you had done gotten yourself in trouble and you need to figure out what you did and you need to repent of it immediately. That quietness kind of reminds us and kind of brings us to what we have in 1 Samuel chapter 3 because the first verse of that speaks of Samuel. And the note is said that it was at a time when the word of the Lord or from the Lord was rare. And there was no frequent vision. There was no frequent awakening from the Lord. You see, we heard about the state of the people of God during the time of the judges. And we heard of the state of the people of God under the rule of Eli's sons as they were the supposed ministers. But we see what the consequences are when we turn away from God, when we say that we want to live our lives the way that we want to, when we say that, God, I don't want to live the way that you want me to live. Instead, I want to do upon my own path. I want to set my life of liberation. I want to live my life the way that I want to live, and I want to do things the way that I want to do. I want to run church, and I want to go to a church that says what I want to hear, and that all seems sounds good to us, but the consequence for that is all of a sudden the Lord just says, I'm going to get quiet. I'm no longer going to speak to you. You're never going to hear a fresh word from me. You're never going to see me do a great miracle. I'm just going to give you my silence. If you don't want me around, then God says, then I just won't be around. And you can just figure out your life all by yourself. And that really, if you will, is the result. That is the consequence. And that is the reason that we look in our churches today and we see so many empty pews because the people have gone off to live their life the way that they want it to do. And all of a sudden, God just gets quiet and he stops moving and he stops working into the midst of the people. And we see the consequences in our nation as we say that we don't want Jesus anymore and so we throw him out of our schools and we no longer pray to him and we no longer consort with him. We no longer follow his rules. We no longer seek his guidance that all of a sudden God stops moving and he stops working and he stops speaking and we're left all alone to sort out our lives and to figure out our problems. And we wonder why we feel so lonely. And we wonder why we have no answers. We wonder why we feel no hope. It's because God has gotten quiet, and God has gotten quiet because we have pushed Him away. And that's what's wrong, is we look in our churches, and they're just so 
quiet. There's people there with activity. There's people there singing songs. There's people preaching sermons, but it's just so quiet because the Lord's not stirring because the people just want to come and sit. They want to get uh, their little fill and they want to be there as a shorter period of time as they can and they just want to get up and they want to move on with their lives and they say, why? Why? Does that church just seem to have no meaning? Why does it seem to have no purpose? Because while there was church, the Lord wasn't there because he's quiet and the spirit is not moving. And when the spirit stops moving and when the Lord gets quiet, all of a sudden the church starts getting quiet. And we no longer have kids and we no longer have youth. We no longer see the spirit of the Lord moving. We don't see the frequent baptisms anymore because the Lord has gotten quiet because the people of God has turned him away. But the good news is, the good news is, is this morning we read about the Lord bringing revival. We hear about the Lord stirring afresh and anew in a new generation. And so as we read these verses this morning, let us pray that the Lord would no longer be quiet, but rather he starts stirring in the hearts of all of us, but especially in our young people. Let's, let's uh, read together in 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering, and the Lord ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli's whose eyesight had begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and he said, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here am I. You called me? But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and he lay down. And the Lord called him again, Samuel. And Samuel rose. And he went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, you say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And, he, and the Lord came and stood calling at the, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of anyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. And I declared to him, And I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. 
Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the temple of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called to Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, Here am I. And Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me, my, my God, do not, and may God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me from that he, which he told you. So Samuel told him everything, and hold nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord, let him do what, he, what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to uh, Beersheba uh, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you, Lord, this morning, Lord, we ask that you open our hearts. But Lord, most importantly, Lord, that we pray Lord, that you will be not silent in the service this morning, but, Lord, that you will speak through your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you will reveal to our hearts, Lord, our need for you. Lord, that you will energize our spirit with a fresh word from you. Lord, that you speak to our hearts. Lord, with your desire to see the lost saved. Lord, and your desire to see those of us who do know you as their personal Lord and Savior to live a life of ministry for you in obedience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Samuel was a, a young man, and uh, he, was, he was working under uh, Eli as a, uh, as a protege. And he was there one night, and he was working at, at the temple. And it was their job as the Levites and the Samuel as uh, one of uh, Eli's servants that they were to keep guard over the temple. So he was on duty, and he was laying there really in a sense, in the presence of God there in the temple next to the Ark of the Covenant, manning the uh, light and the candles and the incense of the Lord so it would not go out. And so he was there one night, and all of a sudden he hears a voice speaking to him, Samuel, Samuel. And he has no idea who it was, and he's thinking it was Eli because that's the only person that's there with him. So he gets up and he goes to Eli and said, you called me? He said, no, go back to sleep. And so he goes again, and he hears the voice again, Samuel, Samuel. And he thinks it's Eli again, and he walks up to Eli, and he goes to Eli, didn't you call me? And it gives us an interesting note in the Scripture. It says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of God had not been revealed to him. Now, we remember this from chapter 2. In chapter 1, as we talked about Eli's sons, those who were serving there in the temple, those who were proclaimed to be ministers of God, but yet they did not know God personally. They did not have a relationship. And we lamented about that. 
And we talked about how bad that was and how it was the root and it was the source of the wickedness. But today we hear this in a new light. We see it in a different light, not in a negative way, but in the way to which Jesus, in which the way the Holy Spirit, in which the way that God works in the life of children and of young people and even as young adults, even as those of us, and, and this really hits home to me because this is where I was because I was raised in the church. I was kind of like Samuel. I may have been at church more than Samuel was, but I was, you know, at church, you know, on, um, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, and Wednesday, you know, deacons meeting, prayer meeting, potluck suppers, everything. I was there, and I could give you all the answers, and I could tell you about Scripture, and I could tell you about David, and I could tell you about Jonah, and I could tell you about all the people of the Bible, but yet I did not know the Lord. I didn't know Him personally. I didn't recognize myself as a sinner and that I needed Jesus Christ. Why? Because I was young. But then came that time to which Jesus revealed himself to me. And so what we see is not something to lament, but yet we see something special that I hope that you personally, and I hope that you as parents, and I hope that you as parents get to hear and get to see and get to watch. And that is Jesus revealing himself personally to the hearts of the young people in your life. What a precious thing. But what a great reminder of the distinction between knowing about God and actually knowing God. You know, our churches and our world are so packed with people who know about God and can tell us a lot of things about God, but yet do not know Him personally. But here we talk about what Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God the Father really wants to do. Is He wants to have a time to which the God of the universe, the Messiah, the Holy Spirit comes and calls each of us by name. And I talk about this a lot because it's very important. Because it really lets us know that God knows each and every one of us individually. As we read during Mother's Day from Psalm 139 about he knew us before we, he was even born, we were even born. He knew our thoughts. He knew how many days we're going to be here. He knew about how stubborn and hard-headed we were going to be. He knew about our mistakes. He knew about our fears. He knew about our passions, and he knew about our likes. He knows us personally, and he desires for the day to which he will in your heart speak your name personally. Samuel, Samuel, Tim, Tim, Patsy, Patsy, Mary, Mary. And he as a young boy really had no idea what this meant. And so he went as he thought it was a voice. And he went to Eli a couple of times and said, Eli, you know, uh, you called me? He said, no, again and again. But then finally, the scripture says that Eli perceived that the Lord was calling him. You know, watching children and young people and youth grow up in the church, you always long for the day to which they will come and be baptized. And I always tried to be careful uh, when I worked with children uh, not to push it. 
because, you know, if you really worked hard enough and wanted hard enough, you could baptize every, every child there was, you know, because just the, the power of suggestion. You know, a friend comes to get baptized, they all, all want to get baptized, you know. You know, they, uh, it just seems right. And as much as you, you work with them, you know, you don't want to press that moment. But I remember I'd always work with some of the families, and I would always get excited when uh, I would talk with the parents or I'd talk with the grandparents, and I'd hear them say something like, well, he's starting to ask questions. And I'd always get excited because that was a good indication in my heart that the Lord was starting to stir with them personally, that it was starting to hit home with them, where God was really starting working with them and saying, hey, you know all these Bible verses you've learned in church about John 3.16 and all these other things that you learned? You know, you need to realize that you need Jesus. You need to realize that you need to accept Him as a personal Lord and Savior. And how great it had to be for Eli as he sits there and all of a sudden it hits him that it's the Lord who is calling him. What a great thing to be a part. And Eli does something that's very important in the life of young Samuel. And it's a very important thing for us in the lives of as we work with our young people, whether they be young by age or really they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, to help to guide them through this personal experience of accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And you can do it just like Eli did. You don't have to call the preacher, but I'd be glad for you to call the preacher because I'd be glad to part of it. But just lead them and guide them to understanding that it's the Lord that's calling him. And he said, look, he gives them this advice. He said, look, if you hear this voice again, just say, speak, for your servant hears you. Just a simple response to the fact that you are calling me. That's all you have to do. A simple response, speak, for your servant is listening. There's really no magic potion There really is no magic word. But rather, Eli says, you just respond to God and he will take care of the rest. And so he goes back to sleep and all of a sudden the Lord speaks, Samuel, Samuel. And now he knows what to do. He said, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. And the Lord gives him a message to speak. And what a great message or what a What a tremendous message that he gives, that the Lord is about to bring judgment on his mentor, the one that has been a father to him. And so this person who only knows Jesus, who only knows God personally, for just a little bit, has given such a hard, hard task to do, a message of prophecy to bring judgment of the Lord. And so he wakes up the next morning, and he isn't going to tell nobody what the Lord spoke to him. But Eli does the next thing that we can do to help young believers in their walk with God, and that is to help develop boldness in their hearts and lives. Eli walks up to him and says, So what did the Lord tell you? Now don't hold anything back for me. And if you hold anything back from me, may what? was prophesied 
against those people be brought upon you. He was developing his boldness, even at the cost of his own self. You know, Eli had made mistakes in his life, and he was about to pay for them. But he wasn't going to let that hold them back to ruin Samuel's life too. You know, we made, make, made mistakes in our lives, and we made, have made mistakes as Christians, and we have made mistakes as a church, but we should always have the word of prayer and the word of hope and the word of encouragement that the ones who come after us can do much, much better. And that's the great hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that even though as we failed, God's still at work. And we should always pray that the next generation should be better and should do more than really what we have done. Because we've made mistakes and we've made failures and things that we really can't make up for. But we pray that those who are young and those who come after us can do better. And so he guided him, and he gave them boldness. He said, I want, to, I want to encourage you to speak boldness of what the Lord said to you. And you could just imagine what sort of a throat, uh, what sort of kind of frog was in his throat and how much he may have stuttered as he spoke those words that the Lord had called him to speak. And Eli didn't get mad, but he recognized those as the words of the Lord. How can we encourage our young people in their walk with God? How can we develop boldness? How can we develop strength? How can we develop encouragement in their lives? What does the scripture tell us about what church is to be about? It tells us to not cease the meeting together, not just at church, meeting together at church, but as believers, as we would meet house to house, and as we would enjoy fellowship with each other during the week as we see one another and as we make time with one another. He says, don't neglect the meeting together, but encourage one another even all the more as we see the day drawing near. We should always offer that word of encouragement to one another in our walk with God because I don't know if you... you uh, have figured this out, not, not, but life is hard. Life is tough. And even for those of us who are believers, we face difficult decisions, and we face heartaches, and we face dilemmas, and we face times of depressions, and we face times of discouragement. We face times of lostness, and we face times of loneliness. And how good it is to have people who would surround us and that would encourage us in our faith, and in our walk, but more importantly, to encourage us to be bold for Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. And so Samuel had spent his whole life in the church, in the temple, learning about God and learning about how to serve him. But it wasn't till this time to which he was called. To God called his name. And he received him. And he responded. But as the closing verses of this chapter remind us, 
is that God doesn't just call us just for the sake of it. He doesn't just call us for us to get out of hell and to have eternity in heaven. He doesn't just call us just for that one moment in that one time, but yet he has a life of work to which he wants us to do. Listen to what the scripture tells us in verse number 19. It says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let not one word of his, of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as the prophet of the Lord. Notice those things. Samuel grew. He didn't just stay in that state of that precious time to which God called his name seemingly in an audible voice, but he wanted to take him from that experience and he wanted to grow him. And that's what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to take you from that experience that you may remember when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And I'm sure it was sweet, and I'm sure it was memorable, but God doesn't just want to leave you there, but He wants to build off of that, and He wants you to grow. What does it say of our Lord and Savior when He was in the temple and grew up? All we really know about His childhood and young adulthood is that He grew in wisdom, in statue, in favor, with God and man. And so God desires for each of us to grow. And growing can always produce growing pains, doesn't it? As we learn our limits, as we learn our struggles, and as we go through heartaches, and as we go through missed opportunities, and as we make those mistakes, the temptation is just to be satisfied were those one or two little great experiences in our walk with Christ. But God says that we are to grow. And also says that the Lord was with him. And that means that the Lord being with him in a sense really means that he was with the Lord. And that he lived a life that was pleasing to him. And so he was constantly able to be in that fellowship with Jesus Christ as God would lead his life. And if we want God to be with us, then we have to be where God is leading us. There has to be that, uh, that symmetry. There has to be that, that cohesiveness about we are in the places where God is and that we go to the places to which that God leads us. That is God with us. That means our life is conforming to his image. That means we are going to the places that God wants us to go, and that we are living the life that God wants us to live. Can you say that this morning in your life, that God is with us, that God is with you? We know that God is always with us, We know that he will never leave us or forsake us. But him in saying that God was with him, it was saying that God was working in his life because Samuel was in fellowship with God. They were like two peas in a pod. They were like whatever analogy that you want to work with. And so are you growing? Are you following Christ? Is God with you? 
And it says that if we do that, because that he was in sync with God and because that he was growing, what is it said is that no word that Samuel spoke fell to the ground. In other words, since he was in that communion fellowship with God, all the words and all the prophecies that he spoke came true because they were from the Lord. He had that type of a relationship with God. And when we have that tight relationship with God to where we're speaking the will of God and we're living the will of God, then none of our words, none of our tasks, none of our journeys will ever fail. And it's the encouragement that only belongs to us if we grow and if we continue to walk with God. But maybe here, even more importantly, it says that everybody from Dan to Beersheba, everybody from the furthest north of Israel to all the way down to the furthest south you could go of Israel, everybody knew that he was a prophet established by God. What are the people saying about you? They may say, well, he goes to church. He may be able to say that uh, she, you know, isn't as bad as the rest of us. But do they really know? Does everybody that it comes in contact with you, anyone who ever spends any type of time with you, know that you are a true, obedient child of God? Or if you were to tell them they were you were a Christian, they'd be like, "What? Do you have that reputation of being a man and woman of God?" Now it didn't say everybody liked him. It didn't say that everybody from Dan to Beersheba liked him. It didn't say that everybody liked what he had to say. But whether they liked it or whether they didn't like it, it was known that he was a prophet established by God. Do people know that in your life? Whether they like you or they don't like you, they know, they know that you are a true person of God. And he continued to work in Samuel's life. And it says, And the Lord appeared again to Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh, by the word of the Lord. It used to be that the word of the Lord was rare and visions were rare and people suffered from the lack of the word of God. But God used Samuel as a blessing to bless the world around him. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to use you as his vessel. I don't know why. And next week we're going to learn that he really doesn't need all of us. That he could do it all by himself. But he wants to use you. And he wants to use me. To be his mouthpiece. To be his hands and feet. And so the reason why the word 
would be rare. And the reason why the visions would be sparse is because there's no one willing to give their heart and life to Jesus to be used by him. The word of God is rare around here. The visions are rare around here. The movements of the Holy Spirit are rare around here. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and that the Holy Spirit would stir in our young people and that he would begin again to speak boldly to us and use those people and to use you and me to bless this world and show them the light of Jesus Christ. God's calling your name this morning. Will you answer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us today. Lord, we thank you for your salvation that you give us through Jesus Christ. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit who walks among us. And he is among us this morning, Lord, as we gather together. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will speak and that you will stir in the hearts of everyone here. But Lord, I pray most of all, Lord, that the people will respond to you this morning. And Lord, that all of us, all of us will encourage one another in our walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing a hymn of invitation.